Oh dear Lord Jesus, man, this isn't happening. Maybe man. you weren't paying attention to current events, but we just got our asses kicked. Well, maybe she should be in charge. Game over, man. Game over. Welcome to Movie Court, people, and today we will be deciding the fate of 1986's Aliens, made by James Cameron, and on hand to try this movie, we have our defense attorney, Kyle Bornheimer. Say hello, Kyle. Uh, Hi, folks. And on the other side of the aisle, the prosecutor who will destroy this sci-fi opus from James Cameron, Steve Kruger. Good morning. This judge, in particular, is especially intrigued by this selection, although I do think, in some circles, it is a divisive movie. I think much of the argument surrounding this movie comes down to it in comparison to Alien, Ridley Scott's original movie, but it'll be interesting to hear Steve's case regarding why this movie, in particular, deserves to be in prison. With that said... Why don't we move into our opening arguments? And since Steve is bringing this movie up for prosecution, I would like to hear his statements first. Well, thank you. And uh, you summed up my thoughts better than I could have. So can you play back the audio of you saying that? (laughs) I feel like the crime committed by the movie Aliens ruins the memory and the legacy of the brilliant masterpiece Alien. And while it is the best of the Alien sequels, which is not saying much, it's kind of like being uh, an admiral in the Polish Navy. (laughs) And I I also, I I think people need to take a moment and reflect back on their memories of seeing it for the first time. You know, I thought I thought this was a great movie. I must have seen it when I was uh, 14 or something. And I thought it was amazing. But... You know, like the first time you bring yourself to orgasm, you think it's really uh, a neat trick, but in reality, it's it's not that special. And time has not been good to this film. It did have some cool ideas, like the video cameras on the Marines, but I feel like it should be sent away that, so that a new generation of people discovering this uh, genre will really focus on the original. And And while it's not the Phantom Menace in terms of horrific uh, crimes against cinematic uh, humanity, um, which I would argue that should be sent to death. But it's close. And Alien is the alignment of all these planets. It's certainly not Ridley Scott, um, because he went on to direct that carnival of nonsense known as Prometheus. Um, Alien is a very special, important film. And Aliens is a corrosive film that has slowly eroded the brilliance of its parent and have very slippery first step on a slope that led us to Alien versus Predator. So I believe that it should be cast into the uh, abyss of, uh, pun intended for your Cameronites, to the, into the abyss of movies that need to be forgotten and uh, left behind. Very good. I want to see the movie Carnival of Nonsense. Is that what you referred to Prometheus as? Well, that was the original title, but I think uh, Carlton Curse or whoever got in there and really made it stupid said, I don't think Carnival of Nonsense really captures how jackassly stupid this movie is. So Prometheus was then born. <laughs> Very good. Uh, let's move over on the other side of the aisle. 
Is that something that they say in court? You don't move over to the other side of the aisle. Um, <laughs> this is not a wedding. <laughs> let's move over to the defense side of this argument. Kyle Bornheimer, your opening statement, sir. Thank you, Your Honor. First of all, I'd like to take Mr. Kruger to task for shitting on my memory of the first time I brought myself to orgasm, which was wonderful and still the best time um, I've had uh, with myself or another person. Yes, we Um, all remember our 30th birthday. (laughs) It was just last (laughs) week. Um, You know, like Bill Paxton's, shall we say, just a tad over-the-top characterization suggests in this movie now. How dare Uh, you? He is a nuanced nuanced actor. (laughs) The inimitable Hudson. You know, cockiness can uh, can lead to overconfidence. And going into this week's defense of James Cameron's 1986 monster movie, which is really what the Alien movies are, I had to be careful not to be too cocky, for I felt that, given that I'm a big fan of, uh, of James Cameron and long ago learned how to defend quite nicely his weaknesses, I kind of felt that guy had a slam dunk case. And I, and I think we were all kind of curious why Aliens was brought up for, for prosecution. But I have to say... As I revisited this movie in its entirety, which I had not done in a while, I discovered watching the first hour or so that I might have a slightly tougher film to defend than I had expected. Um, How exactly am I going to defend the 15 high fives that Vasquez gives uh, (laughs) in the first 15 minutes? Um, And I will let Kruger have fun (laughs) with Bill Paxton. I even wondered as I went on if the later parts of the movie were going to hold up as well as I'd remembered them being. Well... This film brought actual tears of cinematic joy to my eyes in its later half. I will defend this movie most enthusiastically on those grounds. I will explain those tears of joy as well as the love I have for my very good friend Sigourney Weaver. (laughs) Not really my very good friend at all. Um, And the Ripley character she so perfectly embodies in this film, which is a very important character in the history of, of cinema and that this movie kicks up a notch from the original. I'll sprinkle in some love for Cameron, who kind of comes of age and comes into his own as a director throughout the movie. And in a very kind of fascinating way, we, we see him sort of born into um, the great action director that he, the, he sort of becomes during this movie, while, while making this movie. So I, I, uh, I look forward to a, a robust debate. Uh, Let's start with the opening of this movie, including James Horner's famous score. It was nominated for an Academy Award, uh, one of his more famous scores. Um, let's just start with the beginning of the movie. I'm trying to remember. that. Was there music in this movie? <laughs> oh, oh, yes. There is some legendary uh, music cues, actually, that would become ultimately played out. The score at the end of this movie has been used in pretty much every trailer since. So you put this movie in jail, Kruger, and you, you don't have trailers for the next 30 years. Oh, thank God. There are consequences to your overly enthusiastic prosecution, sir. Well, Steve, why don't you begin? Why don't you lay into this movie in, in whatever way you want? If you don't, if we don't want to start with the beginning, what... Uh... Well, I would I would attack this movie on a variety of charges. Uh, the first, of be, first one being a clunky-ass script. You know, Alien is a ghost story. People are trapped in a house and there's a ghost chasing them around. Except for this ghost is a terrifying monster. And, and Aliens is uh, an action movie, which really isn't a genre. It's really a Western. You know, you go into a, uh, a hostile environment, usually to save some, uh, some cattle-raising folk, which in this movie, they're terraforming a rock in the middle of nowhere for some reason. Um, and it is really clunky in the beginning. I mean, the first... I, I, I watched the director's cut because I wanted to see what was in that sociopath's brain. Um, and it is an hour of setup. 
Well, nonsense. yeah, the, they're, they're the additional scenes that were added, including you see the um, colony life prior to the aliens attack. That was added after the fact. And yeah, that's many people the have stated, cut. I think, correctly. The, that he, it, he, he said, I directed this and this, this, these real boring scenes, they need to be a part of the movie. But that term and, director's cut has begun to be abused. Oftentimes, a studio will just do whatever they cut cut they want and call it a director's cut. Also, the term itself has changed over the years. Director's cut used to mean the studio cut. Now it means the opposite. We actually don't know if the version that both of us watched is actually the preferred camera version. My instinct is that it's not. I think this was released at, by the studio later on. Well, can we call him as a witness? Can we get him on the phone? <laughs> I'd like to do that. I guess yeah. not. Because it definitely, adding those scenes definitely slows down the beginning of this movie in a, an unfortunate way. And actually, it's more interesting when you don't know what happened when they get there. They're they're unfolding the mystery of what happened at this place. I think it suffers from adding those scenes. It was just one more chance to have Newt scream one more time. And I would also say one of the huge issues with this movie is casting. And I'm going to say this name, and I want all of us to say it together, Paul Reiser. So let's all just say the word Paul Reiser together. <laughs> He's got a very futuristic suit with a futuristic collar. That's what I remember. Well, it was a very prescient that they knew in in 1986 that in the year 2116, there was going to be a, a, a sort of nostalgic period that people would be dressing like the 80s again and wearing the same haircuts. I thought that was very good futurism on, on Kevin's I, part. I, I enjoy Paul Reiser. I think he's a talented young man, a very funny man. Never has someone been so out of place in a sci-fi action western, uh, a nebbish Woody Allen-esque comic as the bad guy, to which I would honor Mr. Riser's agent and uh, demand that he gets the Nobel Prize, because somebody talked James Cameron into Paul Riser. Um, the movie begins with a space trial. I was never so bored that when they were talking about... Uh, you're going to be demoted. You're going to lose your Class C license. I mean, basically, they they stripped her of her driver's license. Um, that that's we're 20 minutes into the movie and we realize that she's got to work on the loading docks that you can't fly spacecrafts. So Paul Reiser's company, I don't know Space Halliburton. I don't know what the what the fuck he does or where. <laughs> um, they're uh, they conned her and then. Stripped her of her, of her uh, classy dr- truck driving license. I'm looking at the clock as this movie trails on, and it's almost an hour before you get to the aliens. I, I actually wrote this down. The most interesting character is the cat. And the cat goes away. The, they bring the cat back from the first movie, and then, like, there's no super cat suit they put on that she goes into space to fight, blah, blah, blah. The cat is... Has some attitude. It hisses at Paul Reiser. I don't know if that's some anti-Semitic thing. I don't. You know, I'm pretty sure James Cameron is not a fan of my people. But I, I just, I, I was bored out of my mind in the beginning of the movie. I know they're going to space. I know she's going to deal with the aliens. Let's go. Okay, Kyle, uh, your rebuttal for the uh, opening portion of this movie. Um, I can't believe we haven't talked more about Bill Paxton yet um, and Vasquez. Oh, but, we'll get there. I, I really feel it. like we can do an offshoot of this. This is just about Hun- Hunter. Is it Hunter in it? Hunter and Vasquez. Hudson. Hudson. Hudson and Vasquez. That's the spinoff that I want to see of this. Um, Riser's uh, casting, by the way, is actually appropriate because they needed a, a, a sort of pencil pushing. Was you know, I, I think what's bothersome about Riser in the movie is that you just don't want to see 
Paul Reiser in a sci-fi action movie. It just doesn't line up with the cool actors that you wish to see. But he's actually appropriate for what they're trying to do with that character. Well, wait, was um, Robbie Benson not available? <laughs> he was on Broadway. He, he was long past his uh, Hollywood prime. <laughs> but he, oh, there's um, Jonesy. I'm looking at Jonesy. Jones of the Cat. Um, and I believe someone just smoked, which, you know, anytime you put uh, an 80s action movie in prison, you you deprive uh, the millennials of knowing that people used to smoke in their R-rated action movies. Actually, that there used to be R-rated action movies. So, was this R-rated? This is R-rated, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, I love the structure of this movie. And I'm not going to argue that the first hour is um, incredibly well done. We've talked about Titanic and Jurassic Park and a couple other epic action movies. This isn't quite as epic as those, obviously. But this structure of, uh, you know, Jaws you can bring up, um, of not showing, you know, the the action, so to speak, not getting started uh, for, for a while. And... In an age of when I go to these Marvel movies sometimes and, and and I feel like there's no difference between the action sequences, there's no metering out and no pacing, I absolutely love that this movie doesn't get started until the hour mark. And I love that at the when there's about 45 minutes left, it is balls-to-the-wall action. I think that was by design. I think um, Cameron later did that in, in Titanic to amazing effect. Terminator's a little different. He, he, Terminator's a masterpiece. Terminator 2 is a masterpiece that is, it has its own structure. By the way, the first Alien, which I did revisit as well, and I agree with you that Alien, the, the original Alien, um, you're right, is a ghost movie, is a ghost story where this, is, this was actionized. And I can see people attacking this movie for actionizing a much more sort of subtle, slick, cool sci-fi movie from, from the 70s. And then the 80s, oh, of course, you're going to put machine guns in everyone's hands and you're going to actionize it. But I don't mind the structure for that. And when I get to why this movie becomes uh, nearly masterful in the last 45 minutes, the last 45 minutes of this movie completely negate anything negative before it. If you don't enjoy the last 45 minutes of this movie, then you probably don't like movies that much. Like I said, this is a monster movie. And at the hour mark, when they're just sort of going through the corridors of once they land on the colony, it's light and shadow and sound design, and it, it, it gets me. Because what's interesting is, like, you can't really tell this is a Cameron movie for the first hour and 10 minutes. And it's all set up, and then when they get to the oh, colony, I it's all. Uh, Your Honor, it, it does look like a Cameron movie. Well, it's, no, it's... It, it, well, it, well, let me say this: is <laughs> his bad traits are on display in the first yes, half. It's no, clunk, actually, well, some of his. Some, it's, <laughs> there's such there's such worse clunky sequels that, that than this. Now, there's obviously tenure dialogue, and there's. There, now, there, what is interesting is like some of the fetishism of Cameron's uh, gears and mechanics and 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 tech talk. There's great sci-fi tech talk in this. If you if you're listening, if you can shut Paxton up, and there's some there's a high five from Vasquez I'm watching right now. Um, it's a double <laughs> hey, high five. This is a, a woman who's ahead slap. of her time, though. <laughs> well, well, wait, just wait till I get to Ripley and Cameron's contribution to to diversity in casting and to uh, female characters. Well, I think you bring us to what I like to, I affectionately call the space meatheads. Uh, you, you meet uh, the most cliched, ridiculous group of jarheads, I think. They are Marines. Um, who I guess. I don't, know if they were cli- I don't know if they're cliched yet, because I think Cameron invented these cliches. Uh, he definitely it, plays it to the hilt, though. He, there is a yeah, lot he, of machismo. It, it, they're machismo. very clunky, very silly. He's he's doing lifeboat. All these movies are lifeboat. It's 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 six different personalities stuck together in a harrowing ordeal, and they're all going to have to argue about it. You mentioned you mentioned clunky screenplay, and and I don't I, I think you're being a little overly harsh on this. It, it might have just been um, 
mediocre execution of an okay screenplay at the first half. Then we'll get to the second half. We'll talk about it. But the introduction of Bishop and the way that it's played by Lance Henriksen is excellent. And her relationship, her distrust of him, and the way this eventually plays out is excellent. Yes, and, and it's, it, and it's it laid in perfectly. And it's laid in with excellent movie. reward. He actually... I counted. He he shows up, and then when they get into the uh, fracas, he di- he literally disappears for almost an hour. She's get this fucking thing away from me. Who he plays a game of I believe it's called Mowgli Peg. I may be pronouncing it incorrectly. Where he takes uh, handsome Bill ha- Paxton's hand and puts it over his and traces it with a knife. So he's incredibly skilled. These robots, as he mentions in it, are far more advanced than the one that Ripley dealt with in Alien. And all it made me think was, well, why don't they just send a bunch of bishops up there to go get those people back? But that that's just an aside. You're going to say that about and, the first one. But the casting mm-hmm. in this movie within the, the, the space meatheads, although I will give Bill Paxton, he does play a panicky idiot like no one else. He, he actually, to me, is the heart and the soul of the movie because I think that's that is Jim Cameron. It's complete machismo. And then at the drop of a hat, he becomes a, uh, a whimpering mess but uh everyone loves vasquez and uh, this is i, I bring a, a, a personal uh I, vasquez well, comes up seems, a lot in conversation i at my home quite often it, it just comes up in conversation Again, well, like quit, quit, quit acting like a vasquez or uh, i believe it's a sexual idiom uh, I, ga- I gave her the old uh, dirty vasquez <laughs> the character of vasquez is played by a friend of mine jeanette goldstein who i met many years ago and she's turned um, up she's in a, many Cameron movies, I might add. Yes, she is in, you should look her up. She's in Titanic. She is in Terminator 2. Everything Cameron does, she's in. She's a very talented actor. But holy fucking shit, did they not have Latinos in the 80s? <laughs> Jeanette Goldstein is five feet tall, red hair with freckles, and Jewish. She is a fantastic actress. They did not have Latinos in 1986, or they were, I, I, it, it just boggles them. It, it's almost to the point of like Al Jolson blackface. Like they tanned this woman up and she she said about, she she wore a cholo rag. This is a tiny little Jewish woman. I mean, it's just bizarre. Also, uh, meet Newt. She's really annoying, mostly. <laughs> um, that, that's all I they have to say They come out at night, mostly. 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 By the way, that line is included in an amazing shot, an almost iconic shot. Now, it's if you just took this movie as... Jim Cameron made a movie about aliens starring a uh, a woman with unbelievable cheekbones. It's not a bad movie, but it, it does not hold up. All it seems like when you keep photocopying something and it gets more and more degraded, it feels like a poor imitation of the original. Which brings me to what I, I would like to dub the Ballad of Bill Paxton. Uh, a body, ballsy, loud, and cocky character for about 10 minutes of screen time, and then one encounter with aliens, he becomes a panicky idiot. It is the most unbelievable turn an actor has ever done on screen. And I understand what they're going for. They take someone who's seen it all as a Marine, and now he's a whimpering baby. I love how much Sigourney and Michael Bean are always just telling them to shut up, too. It's 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 almost <laughs> self-referential to the audience. Yeah, you can't tell if it's Sigourney losing her patience with the actor or Ripley losing her patience with Hudson. <laughs> it is one of the most ridiculous characters' t- turns I have ever seen. It is the most absurd choices as an actor. It it just seems completely out of place. Game over, man. It's 2030. No one one even says that anymore. They live in space. I I, I don't understand. He becomes Forrest Gump. 
uh, on, on, you know, human growth hormone. I don't know what the fuck is going on. It's so bizarre. The Ballad of Bill Paxton, for me, is the most entertaining part of the movie. But I, I, it is for, for reasons that I can only imagine Jim Cameron sort of scratching his head after every take going, what, what are you... I actually blame James for that. I, I actually think James left left he and, and Vesquez hanging. I, I, there's that, Those are easily cuttable. I mean, that, that could have just been Paxton being, all right, I'll give you all this, and you you find the right way to use it. There's a scene where they're getting ready for to land on the colony the first time, and it's all of them gearing up and buttoning buttons, and we're watching it right now, actually, putting their guns in order. It goes on so long. Paxton is kind of left there just having to say, locked and loaded, get it going, I'm all primed, are you proud? I mean, he says 800 different ways of saying I'm ready to go, and it could have easily been one. Yes. How does Hudson die in this movie? He gets pulled down. Uh, it's pretty good. He gets pulled. Oh, he's yeah. beating the hell out of those guys. And uh, he's, oh, going, yeah. he's he, like, you he, want some? He's like, yeah, you want some, oh, you you want want some, some as well? Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and then he falls into the gate under the base, the, the sub-basement. Um, like the, the gate gives way and then he's pulled down. It's a pretty good death. And then Vasquez dies with the asshole who's in charge, right? She's like, you always were an asshole. And then they... And that's themselves. actually a good death right? too. It's part of a great sequence, and she she actually does some really cool shit during that while she's battling them in the air ducts. And then and the, and there's a little character twist there where the the cowardly sort of colonel or whatever, whoever's been sort of a pussy the whole time, uh, sacrifices himself. Well, he's right not now. a pussy for the whole time. He's a pussy for about ten minutes, and then gets a boo boo in his head and is uh, unconscious until about an hour and a half later. Well, there's a lot of characters. I don't know if so that's you a scheduling a lot of thing. Characters. There's there's a lot of uh, kind of people coming in and out, and you forget. Oh, that. Oh, there's a robot guy. He's. I'm. I'm gonna go over and I'm gonna reprogram the VCR. I'll see you guys uh, ten minutes. <laughs> also, <laughs> still same play. <laughs> I pray to God Lance Hendrickson does not have children because that face is just so frightening. <laughs> I can only. All right, let's get in the car. We're going softball. <laughs> Dad, why do you hate us? Well, let's I, continue I just, with the casting and let's talk about um, the only cast member that really matters. And this will this is my second point on why there's just no way why why it would be a disservice to society to 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 keep this movie in jail. It, Ripley is is an important character in the history of movies and almost overlooked in her importance. Uh, and Cameron didn't create her, which is interesting because she seems like a character that he would have created. She fits in very nicely. Uh, with the characters that he would create the, that sort of disregarded gender, most notably Linda Hamilton in the, in the, in the Terminator movies. I, I just, I love the way, I mean, Sigourney cuts such an interesting figure on screen, and there's never been anyone before since like her. And I love that she isn't overly masculine or overly feminine. She doesn't have to prove anything to anyone or or sort of posture in a way that's traditionally associated with men or women. She's Cameron doesn't play her as cool or sexy or badass. All the action female actioneers that have come since in the 90s and 2000s have this like they have to be super cool and sexy and almost flawless. Ripley is unsure at times. All, the only thing Ripley has going for is that she's right in her heart. She's uh, she's a good person. She knows the decent thing to do, uh, you know, and she's brave when she has to be. But she's also scared as shit. She's uncertain at times. She just always makes the decision that okay, I'll put myself in harm's way if, it, if I have to just to survive. And Weaver plays it perfectly. Well, if I may respond, to please. This, well, let me just finish uh, real quickly. Wait, wait, it's, wait. It's, oh, no, no, it's no, no. also on. Ripley. I think, is, I think you've said everything. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We would not be talking about Ripley if there was no if there was no alien. 
aliens, we would not be talking about Ripley. We'd be talking about Ian Holm and aliens coming out of stomachs. If there's no aliens, we would not be talking about Ripley. Ripley would not be what people remembered about the first one. They would be remembering other things, other amazing things. And her a little bit, but they remember Ripley because of this movie. Okay, well, um, Steve, um, I want to move into closing arguments, but do you want to respond specifically to that point briefly, and then we'll move into closing arguments? Thank you, Your Honor. I simply would direct the jury, if there is such a thing in this court, to watch Alien. You can see plenty of Ripley and you can see the evolution of Ripley. You don't have to see her mincing about with Paul Reiser, who, by the way, has utters the line, this facility has a certain dollar value. They, they, they make the space Jew a penny, pitcher, penny pincher when she wants to blow up the uh, facility. It, it is the most racist caricature I've ever seen. But <laughs> she's not playing off of cartoon characters like she is in Annie. Annie is serious as racist as Watto from Phantom Menace. Yes. Annie. Um, so I, I have no issue with Miss Weaver, who is a fantastic actress, and Ripley is one of the most iconic characters in film. I would suggest that you forget about this one and the one after and the one after this. And then I don't think she's in Alien vs. Predator, though I've not seen it recently. Um... Watch Alien. It's all there. Okay, Kyle wants to make one last point very briefly, and then we're going to go into closing arguments. If I were to talk about Cameron in this, he was not a big action director yet. Um, Ryan, do you have any research on what, how he came upon this this project? Well, he was a he started off as a special effects designer for Roger Corman. He wrote Terminator as a spec, and then they got it made as an independent movie. And what happened was, 20th Century Fox was in the process of maybe putting together an alien sequel, they read the script for Terminator, brought him in to write the script, and were so impressed by him, and then they saw a rough cut of Terminator and decided to bring him on as director. So it was very much uh, a studio seeing what Terminator was about to become and saying, we need to jump on board with this guy. That's really interesting. And, and, and it's funny because the, 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 the first half of this movie... <clears throat> Like I said, I mean, aside from some some sort of of the clunkier things that we associate with Cameron, you really it looks like a movie that was made as for, by a director for hire. You really can't tell. Even the first action sequence wasn't. I was actually kind of left cold a little bit this time watching the first action sequence. I thought it was exciting in a just a sort of general oh aliens attacking our heroes kind of way, which is another. I'm sorry, re- are you discussing the space trial? That's the first action sequence. <clears throat> oh oh oh, when her le- when her classy licenses <laughs> when her when her trucker's yes. license is taken. Yes, it, there was there was a, there fireworks. She has to. Take the bus to work. <laughs> that was a uh, twelve. Kyle, wrap men. up your point because we have to go into closing arguments. So, but this is the most important point that is made about this movie. This is the actual reason why there's no way this movie can be put in jail, and the reason is the last forty-five minutes of this movie. Cameron, who does not really distinguish himself except for some minor, the, the, his sort of obsession with mechanics and gun and some sci-fi stuff and some clunky dialogue, doesn't really distinguish himself for the first hour, even an hour and a half, even past that first action sequence, which if you told me it was another director, I'd have been, oh, it's, that looks like a, any director from that era. The minute this movie hits about with about 45 minutes to go, it's like he found himself as an action director in the, in that last 45 minutes. And he also employs something that you do not see a lot in action films today, which is uh, something that used to be employed a lot more. Suspense. The music at the end, like which we mentioned, has been used in every trailer ever since. Um, even her, her, her leg moving up from the closing doors as they're about to close is the last piece of suspense over uh, after about eight other pieces of suspense that Cameron has laid in. It's almost as if he was kind of figuring 
figuring out this movie as a big action director. At that moment, he discovered it. And for 45 minutes, he tells an amazing action tale with so much image, so much great cinema going on, so much great use of music and action and editing and suspense and bodies in, in, in space that it brought a tear to my eye a couple of times. A couple of the shots actually, um, in conjunction with the music and everything else Cameron was doing, brought a tear to my eye. Even in, in, in knowing that, oh, a couple years later, this guy makes Terminator 2 and Titanic. You cannot put this movie in jail for the 45 minutes uh, alone at the end. All right. Let's uh, let's move into closing arguments. Steve, your closing arguments, sir. I think we live in an age now where you could go on to YouTube or Vimeo or Netflix or wherever you watch your movies, and that's the way to watch them these days. And once all of the jarheads are dead, yeah, enjoy the last 45 minutes. It's, it's exciting. But does that make a movie? Absolutely not. What you need to do is... Forget about this and refocus your energy on the first movie. It's a masterpiece. It is the alignment of planets. It is a once-in-a-lifetime event. Why it should be in jail is because what it caused. The movie needs to be punished for what it eventually became, which is a series of terrible, terrible sequels that then led us to Prometheus. And now the guy, Neil Blomkamp, whatever his name is, <laughs> who has who made... One good movie and seven terrible ones is going to do a new Aliens. Yeah, District 9 was good and everything else was terrible. He's going to do an Aliens. David Fincher, who's incredibly talented, made the worst Aliens of the bunch. I say, let's forget. Oh, uh, that's next week. (laughs) Alien Resurrection is pretty damn bad. Let's forget about all the other Aliens and let's just watch this movie for what it is. Aliens. Very good. Um... Let's move over to the defense for your closing arguments. Ripley, you lose. You put this in jail. You you lose uh, several I- iconic images of Ripley. You you lose a, a very important character in Ripley that we have to constantly look to, unfortunately, because we still haven't nailed this thing with with casting. Um, You lose Sigourney Weaver's uh, performance. I think, yes, he did not create Ripley, but he kicked it up a notch. Uh, He he gave gave us so much more of Ripley. This is an action movie. It's interesting looking at it in in comparison to the first one. They are almost two different movies, but they're both on the premise of an alien being stuck in 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 a confined space with an alien. That alone gets you a lot. That before I even talk about how good of a director Cameron becomes at the, the second half of this movie, putting this in jail is is like putting the basic premise of movies in jail. That's all we go to the movies for, is to watch people with flashlights looking around corners and things jumping out at them. So I, I think you, there's there's little to be all that mad about, except for every time Bill Paxton and Vasquez high five. Or I guess they're fighting Vasquez. Who's that little toady that she's is always following her around that, at the beginning that's amazingly just like always over Vasquez's shoulder, like Carter is his name or something. He gets it really early. Um, so Ripley is the important part. The the the, the, the basic racist from Shawshank Redemption. That guy is that who that is? I think so. I don't no. think he's. No, no. That, it looks like him, but it's not. Who's him. that guy? There's a there is a guy who is the rapist from Shawshank Redemption. Oh, in this movie, he's he's one of the Marines. Yeah, Shawshank. It, it, it's like her best friend. I uh, forget what his name is. Yeah, that's the guy that's always. Yeah, that, yeah, uh, oh, yeah. He gets it in the first attack, um, and. Um, Cameron, I mean, like I said, it's not just that the the last uh, 45 minutes of this movie are exciting or that, okay, he pulls out some amazing action movies moves that no one was doing at the time outside of, uh, no one was being as good an action director as him, um, starting with this movie. 
Um, Spielberg was the only one doing anything um, better than this and doing his and doing action. Uh, Richard Donner uh, a little bit, but Cameron started to invent a new way of doing action. And by the way, even though I always think with Cameron, he every time he makes a movie and he did it with this as well, he sets film technology about twenty years ahead. Now he might f- send film screenplay. 20 years behind <laughs> while he does it but he's always he's always pushing the medium forward and he does it in this he did he did it in this he does it a couple of years later with Terminator he pushes the technology ahead uh, in Terminator he obviously did it in Titanic and Avatar and years later so I love watching Cameron uh, kind of come into his own in this and I think if you make it through that first hour and a half which is just mediocre with a little bit of annoyingness you completely forget it. I, I, I was being actually really critical of this movie as I was watching it. And with by 10 minutes into that last 45 minutes, I had such a smile on my face at the, the cinematic glee that was, was permeating through my screen. And there's a lot of joy in his filmmaking in this, sometimes that we don't get in some of his other movies, that you can't help but be moved by it almost. And you could even watch this in reverse. Watch just the last 45 minutes and then go back and watch the beginning. I still don't think you're going to be... I think you're always going to remember how good that... That's how I came into this because I always remember watching the last half of it the last few times I've watched it and it was interesting watching the first half and, and being really critical of it and then being like oh shit it doesn't matter the, the last part of it completely negates any negativity before it I rest my case well I think you said it right there it negates any negativity <laughs> <laughs> Kyle Bornheimer this, this generation's Yogi Berra and your honor I would like to uh, sidebar can I approach I I felt a lot of emotion in in Mr. Bornheimer's uh, prosecution, defense. I'm not quite sure how this works. And I I appreciate the emotion, but he didn't bring facts. He didn't bring... Wait a second. Let me come up to this sidebar. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, what are you saying? Can you even do that? Can you come up to the bench to talk shit about the defense? It's a safe place for me. No, you're not allowed in the sidebar. All right, I'll go back. But I don't know that you can come up and here Honor, and just talk uh, if, shit if about that. If you the need anything, if I can, if I can get you anything. Wait, wait, wait! I'm coming know. back up there. What did he just say to you? No, <laughs> get out of the sidebar. It doesn't. Sidebar, it, it, you know what? It, it doesn't you're matter out, because out. I'm on the payroll of James Cameron in this case. Yeah, he came into you like like Al Capone at the end of Untouchables. <laughs> can we have this <laughs> jury Honor, leave the room, justice? please? Is this justice? <laughs> um, Let justice be done. Or the hell? Oh, I guess that's the other Kevin Costner. <laughs> Oh, yeah, Your Honor, I would implore you to look at the facts of the case as, as it has been tried and not the emotion of our very long-winded and, <laughs> I, I, I would say, overly attached, almost like a child to a toy, uh, the, the attachment are the prosecutor. Hey, the prosecutor I criticized this film. movie. I started Your my Honor, whole argument with the fact that I was going to be critical. Um, relevance. I even relevance. called the first one a superior movie. Okay, we we got to wrap this up now. I, I actually wish we could <laughs> stop down so that I could gather my thoughts and and my my true feeling. I don't know if a judge does this, but I, I kind of want to chastise both sides in this courtroom because judges do that. They, I see judges <laughs> do that all the time. I want to be chastised. Now the prosecution did his best to destroy Aliens, but let's get this out of the way right now. Aliens is one of the best blockbusters ever made. It's right up there with Star Wars, E.T., Jaws. It is in the pantheon of great summer blockbusters. Uh, You know, the the term roller coaster is often thrown around to describe summer blockbusters, almost to the point of parody now, right? But Aliens is actually the perfect manifestation of that description. And this is, I think, where the defense misstepped in its defense of this movie. We all agree that the last 45 minutes of this movie is 
a masterpiece. Uh, you could take any single image alone, and it's iconic. But I would argue that the first hour of this movie is what makes that second half as good as it is. Again, this is the one of the premier blockbusters of all time. If you were doing an action collage of all the great action heroines and heroes of all time, James Bond, Indiana Jones, Batman, John McClane, Ripley is definitely in there, and it's not an image from Alien. It's an image from Aliens. This is the movie that took her from great character to icon. Kyle kind of touched on that before, but I do think it's important to to reiterate that it is Aliens that made Ripley an icon in movies. So, to sum this up, prosecution, you should be ashamed of yourself for bringing this into my courtroom. I might actually throw you in jail for having the audacity <laughs> to bring it here. So, I am finding on behalf of Aliens, you will never go to prison, Aliens. You are a treasure to be enjoyed by all of humanity, and you are free to go. <laughs> Movie Core. Movie Core.